From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, proposed childcare centre for Deebing Heights evokes emotional discussions with any decision again delayed. Meeting becomes farcical over who should be quoted in media releases and 12 months on from the floods. Mayor Teresa Harding joins the show after the February 23 meeting of Ipswich City Council. It's Friday, February 24, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. February's meeting of Ipswich City Council attracted a packed gallery of First Nations people and supporters opposed to further development at Deebing Creek as Council considered the controversial recommendation from officers to approve a childcare centre in Grampian Drive. Mayor Harding moved the item, however it failed to gain a seconder. The Mayor then moved a procedural motion to suspend meeting procedures to allow for discussion about the item by councillors and also highlighted she was aware of the sentiment of councillors not wishing to move or second the item as recommended. This interview was recorded on February 23 after the meeting. Thank you for speaking with Ipswich today, Mayor Harding. My pleasure, Alan, and thank you to listeners. It was uh, an action-packed meeting, if I can use that term, for February and the rollover decision on the proposed childcare centre at Deebing Heights. There was very extensive and respectful discussion for about half an hour in the chamber and it was revealed councillors had met with the two First Nations groups. Can you briefly explain the background as to why there are two conflicting Indigenous groups? Well, I'm no expert, (laughs) Um, uh, but... It was a really difficult decision, but we have two First Nations groups who have um, different cultural heritage stories of that of that same site. Uh, we do know the Deebing Creek Mission is there; it's a significant site um, in our in our community. Um, so we have the registered native title claimants, the Yuggera and Yuggerapal people, the YUP, and they have worked closely with the state government and the developer to establish a the cultural history of the location, they've surveyed the land and they've developed a cultural heritage management plan for the broader site. Now, that's the the legal mechanism that the state government have. Uh, It's called a cultural heritage management plan and it's a confidential document between the the state developer and that um, First Nations group. We then have another First Nations group called the Jarjumba Protection Site. Um, They're the ones that have camped out on the site. They have very strong concerns for the cultural and ecological significance of this site. So they are quite concerned and have a a different history there. Their elders have a different history. So in in a year, I guess we've got the uh, referendum on the voice. We had two... Indigenous voices here in Ipswich, and mm-hmm. it's it's quite difficult. And I guess for us as, as councillors, we're not the authority on cultural heritage. Um, that's a decision for the state. The state told us that everything was all okay, but I guess we felt that there was um, you know such concern in the community that we wanted to go back to the state to get more information. One of the areas of contention would be the uh, bone fragments found on the site. Why haven't they been examined forensically, i.e. for DNA? So the state have told us they have been um, tested and they're they're satisfied with that. But we do know that there was not a physical test. We do know the test was reviewing photographs of the bone fragments. 
Uh, there was no DNA test or, or a physical one. Also, the report stated that uh, all but, I think, about four bone uh, fragments um, were definitely animal, were not, not human, but it was inconclusive on those. So we went back in October last year and said we'd like to have some conclusive evidence. Um, that still hasn't been done, and I think there's a lot of, lot of hurt in our community, and you know, we implore the state to at least do some DNA testing um, on those fragments. Now, because the site in question is within the Ripley Valley Priority mm. Development Area, it has a different set of rules overlaid from the state government. So council has said basically no, but it's not the end of the story. What happens next? Yeah, so it is a, a priority development area. So legally, um, council can't say no. Um, if we, the only thing we can do is notify the minister of our intention to refuse, which is what we did October last year and wanted more information. I guess today we also said we want more information. So we're actually legally not allowed to say no. <laughs> um, mm. So I guess um, at, at some stage, um, you know, the minister will have to decide or at least um, come forth with the information the councils are asking for. Another item on the agenda today took up about 50 minutes of the mm. meeting. Uh, that was item 14.2 for those following along at home. It's the suspected misconduct of uh, Councillor Jacob Madsen. He was in the firing line, basically over who was quoted in a media release. And mm. the irony of this is, or the strange part of this is, it wasn't a release issued by council. It was issued by a federal member, Shane Newman, and it's drawn the Office of Independent Assessor into the whole picture, which received a couple of complaints or information about Jacob Madsen. Is this just another example of anonymous people misusing the Office of Independent Assessor? Well, the, the two people that referred it were not anonymous. Um, I was obviously one of them, and there was someone else, in the, and the uh, councillors do know who the, that, that person uh, is. Um, but as, as one of those people who referred it, it was very challenging. Um, I'd received uh, two complaints from members of the public who pointed out um, that the media pe they felt that the media policy had been breached. Um, under our laws, and if you go to the OIA uh, website, um, there's a very low threshold for complaints. Councils have very different rules than the state and federal MPs. So I was obligated to ask the organisation, hey, I've had this, what's your, what's uh, the view? And council came back to me and said, yes, it's a, a breach of, of policy. So I have no discretion whatsoever. There's nothing I can do. I can't do every resolution or counselling or anything like that. I'm actually obligated by the Act, by the Local Government Act, to report that to the Office of the Independent Assessor. Well, there's no doubt it's a whole new ball game since the mm. Office of Independent Assessor was established in 2018. I worked at council before that for about 16 years, and I certainly witnessed mm. some ridiculous arguments over who should be in a photo or a media release, but this has really taken things to a new low. Is this embarrassing for council and the councillors? I think so. I mean, in, in any, any other workplace, it would be um, dealt with very differently. Um, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just that there's that obligation to report. There's no discretion whatsoever. So let's and, keep. Let, let's keep. Talk, yeah, go on. I was going to say, and can I say, as as someone who has uh, received at least ten complaints from fellow councillors, um, I know it's not a nice feeling, but I do know that they have also felt that they have an obligation to report because that is the law. Let's talk about the Office of Independent Assessor. It was created by the state government. Now, mm. back in October twenty. 21, I ask you, did you support the OIA? And this is what you said back then. Look, I do remain um, supportive of the OIA. We, we do need a watchdog. That's quite clear. We saw that happen here in Ipswich. Um, when I've had discussions with the, 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 
Deputy Premier, who has local government in his portfolio, my discussions have been to make sure that it's resourced properly. Uh, my experience and I think experience of other councils that when um, complaints go in and there's nothing there, um, it's usually dealt with very quickly within two weeks to get a letter saying, hey, well, you know, this came along and it's been dismissed. But things that uh, there is some substance to, from what I can see, there are things that are still happening in our council that are 18 months long. So I certainly need to see, I think it should be more timely. Um, no system is perfect, but we do need a system um, absolutely in local government. Mayor Teresa Harding, that's what you said back in October 2021. Do you still support the existence of the OIA? Um, I guess I don't blame the OIA. The OIA are doing the same thing that I guess we're doing in council, and that is the state government have written legislation and we have to implement it. Um, so I actually don't blame the IOA. No, but do you um, still support its existence? Should the government chuck it out and start again or <laughs> do something to fix these the trivial law, issues? The law, well, there was a big big refor- there was a big um, inquiry last year that uh, report, into the OIA. Yes, that report and, presented and the, in October. Yep. yep, and the Council of Conduct Tribunal as well. Um, so I think it needs to be there, but I would like to see changes made to the Act. Um, things like this, which are not good for the running of council, um, you know, it's all, you know where, where council is mandatory having to report things like this. Um, it, it's not a nice feeling in any way, shape or form. Um, and still, I'll, I'll still say that the Council of Conduct Tribunal is still an issue. Um, if the matter is deemed to be potentially misconduct, and we, as we saw with Councillor Sheila Ireland when she was found guilty of misconduct, that took two and a half years to go from when it was reported to when it was actually, you know, when she was you know, had the verdict. So, you know, that's just um, too long. It's it not is really, too long. Uh, justice mm. denied is just, 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 yeah, justice allowed is justice denied. Can I just look at the, the ones? I think there's two silver linings. Everyone was incredibly professional, and I think that was fantastic. And the second thing is, is that, as you know, there's been, you know, a lot of things around the media policy. It's been to council a few times. I think today there was a, a greater clarity of, of what happens with the media policy so councillors are more free um, to discuss things in the media rather than having that restriction that was there in the policy. Okay, we'll move on to other items on the uh, council agenda for February. The Growth Infrastructure and Waste Report, the response to a petition for sound barriers from Mogul residents. Can you see a resolution that those residents will be happy with? Look, I don't think they'd be happy, completely happy unless um, there was nothing happening there and um, and it was just green fields, but, you know, it, we do live in a city and, you know, you do have to compromise with your neighbours. And that particular land there, the Rebecca Peninsula there, has been uh, an industrial area since the 1950s. You know, we had the railway workshops and, and other industrial things there as well. So um, I think what's really important is that, that neighbours talk to each other. That So the, the residents are then now talking to the motorway estate and, make, and making progress. The Environment and Sustainability Report, there was a mm. previous request that went through Council that White Rock Spring Mountain Conservation Estate be dedicated as a national park. As mm. I read the documents online, that is now off the table. So where to from here? As part of this, we did see a, a couple of areas where it's a potential. So... So we're just doing a bit more work in that area and working with the state and seeing what will happen there. So um, if there's something else that pops forward, we'll definitely come out and, and talk to residents to see what they think. The CEO monthly report, it's 12 months since the February floods, hard to believe, mm. but it's great to see the flood buybacks and demoli- uh, demolitions underway. What are the latest numbers for Ipswich? Yeah, today we're working with uh, QRA, but today we've um, worked with 36 um, homeowners in one of our worst affected areas, but 
Just like if I give you some of the figures in, in Goodna, um, 56 offers have been accepted, eight are currently under contract, uh, 27 are settled and six have been demolished um, and we're now working on that land rehabilitation. So, so far we've spent $8.7 million um, as part of that voluntary home buyback program. And that, of course, is money from the uh, state and federal government, which the QRA Absolutely. is is uh, arranging uh, the money and councils arranging the buyback. So it's everyone's involved. Colleges Crossing is always in the spotlight every time it floods. Mm. Uh, in the meeting, you talked about changes in design. Do you know what that means yet or what Colleges Crossing will look like when it's uh, rehabilitated? Look, certainly it's... QRA have indicatively said they'll give us $14 million to, to build it back. And I know back in 2011, I think it cost about $11 million. It's clearly not you know, sustainable for, for taxpayers to keep forking out that money. So we really want to look at something that's a bit more resilient. Um, that may mean you know, the, the bottom part, the lower part, do we make that more natural? Um, and then because parts of the footpath have been washed away, obviously the, the toilets are, are ruined. And do we move some of the facilities a bit further up do we look at things such as rather than having a cafe which is hardwired in, do we look at making something that's food truck friendly? So, look, we're, we're going through a few concept designs at the moment and uh, we're hoping in about a month's time to come to the community to say, here's some suggestions and get feedback from the community to see what they'd like to have. So, they're the ones that are using it all the time. Yeah, so <laughs> we're probably well over a, a year away from seeing anything final, as it were, or, or completed. Yeah, I'd say yeah, at least uh, yeah, at least a year mm. away. The other thing we have done as far as the concept designs is work with the um, local indigenous groups as well. Um, what's very sacred or very important to them is to have the access to water as well. So we've been working with with them on the different places where we could still have that access to water. And what about the Riverheart Parklands between the two bridges? Are you going to take the same approach there? Uh, yeah, we're evaluating now, as, as I think I gave you the scoop <laughs> last time we spoke, mm-hmm. the boardwalk is is still deemed unsafe. We're looking to see if we can open up the concrete footpath there so at least people can start using that. So we're just going through that process at the moment. So hopefully we'll have an answer in a few weeks. Mayor Teresa Harding, we'll leave it there. Thanks again for speaking with Ipswich today. Thanks, Alan, and thanks for listening. Don't forget to look for handy links in the show notes and you can watch all council meetings live and on demand through Ipswich City Council's YouTube channel. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. Or play Ipswich Today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.